There's a serious disease that doesn't really have any symptoms, or no obvious ones at least, and it's because of this it's probably the most common disease in Australia, affecting around one in four people, and I'm referring to fatty liver disease. Despite not having many symptoms, it can actually lead to a range of very serious health problems. LiverWell is an awareness campaign that shines a spotlight on our livers and on the lifestyle changes we can make to improve liver health. You might have heard the ads of you might have heard the ads on this radio network, in fact, about the importance of of understanding what fatty liver is. Associate Professor Paul Gow is a gastroenterologist and a liver transplant physician at the Austin Hospital in Melbourne. Welcome to Healthy Living, Paul. Hi, Ross. Good evening. It's lovely to have you on, mate. Now, firstly, what is fatty liver disease? Fatty liver disease is a disease where your liver accumulates excess fat, and that fat causes progressive damage and can lead on to cirrhosis and or liver cancer. Okay, so without obvious symptoms, how does it present in people, and how can someone tell if they have a fatty liver? Yeah, livers are very resilient, so... Your liver can have a lot of damage without people getting any symptoms at all. So almost always fatty liver disease causes no symptoms and it's only routinely picked up by your GP doing a blood test or your GP doing an ultrasound of your liver. Okay, so so what are the risk factors? Who's more likely to suffer from fatty liver? The main risk factors are poor diet and that is a diet high in you know, processed foods and or a diet high in refined sugar, which is, you know, table sugar, sucrose, inadequate exercise, and or being overweight. So either either of those things by themselves can do it, and obviously any of those things in combination. Right. So so GPs are obviously very aware of this condition, and even as a cardiologist, I, I often see people who have abnormal liver function. So um, why is it not being picked up more frequently, and why haven't we heard as much about it, about this condition? Yeah, I think part of the problem for the medical profession is there's no, there is no drug therapy for it. And because of that, I think a lot of clinicians are a little bit frustrated about how to guide their patients. So the only therapies we've got for the condition are lifestyle interventions. And I think for a lot of people, that's good news. So a lot of people don't necessarily want to take drug therapy. Mm. And I think the other thing about liver disease is it's, it generally hasn't had as much awareness as maybe you know dementia or cardiovascular disease right but uh, so clearly um, fatty liver is much more common in diabetics obese people people with insulin resistance but not yes. always we sometimes talk about people who are skinny fat they're, they're not overweight but their diet and lifestyle isn't exactly healthy can people who don't have any weight uh, develop fatty liver yeah so there's this medical term called TOFI which is thin on the outside and fat on the inside so <laughs> There's, there's two groups of people. You can have, you can be lean and still have too much fat inside your tummy, and it's the visceral fat, which is the fat around your belly, that causes the insulin resistance, which is the hormonal problem that contributes to fatty liver. And the, the other thing we recognise is that you can be a normal weight and just have a very poor diet. So if your diet is high in, again, refined sugar, then you can develop this fatty liver disease without being overweight. So it's not... It is not a disease confined to people who are overweight. Are there any genetic factors associated with fatty liver? Well, not particularly. Um, I guess just, you know, in some ways this is a very, very closely related to diabetes. This is a sort of liver manifestation of insulin resistance, which is the mature onset diabetes disease. So 
just like diabetes runs in some families, so does fatty liver disease. But it's not a genetic condition like other things. Right. So if, if people are diabetic or carrying too much weight, insulin resistant, and they, they make marked lifestyle changes, can this reverse fatty liver in the same way we can do this with cardiovascular disease? Yeah. So the whole thing, the sort of good news about the syndrome is the whole thing is absolutely 100% potentially reversible. And often often people don't need to lose dramatic amounts of weight. So again, we talked about the risk factors, which is weight, exercise and diet quality. And addressing those three risk factors independently can make significant changes to people. So often losing just three or four kilos of weight improving your diet, exercising some, some more, can resolve the condition, if not markedly improve it in the majority of people. What What's your thoughts about some of the trials that have been done with fatty liver and things like, say, vi- vitamin E, for example? Yeah, um, it's it's not that... Surprisingly, it's not that well prescribed. So vitamin E has also been associated with an increased risk of prostate cancer and also an increased risk of, I guess, all-cause mortality, which is, you know, deaths from all causes. So there's concern, I think, that although you might improve their fatty liver disease, there's other potential downstream problems with using high-dose vitamin E. It's used, we do use it in people with, you know, serious issues from fatty liver disease, but mm. not in not in your standard patient who walks in the door with it because of those potential concerns. Yeah, I must say, when I've read the data... The, the problems with the the, uh, the prostate cancer, some, sometimes increased risk for lung cancer as well and, and increased risk for mortality, that was done with the um, the synthetic form of vitamin E, which is DL-alpha-tocopherol. There's, there's not been any studies uh, where they've used, just used straightforward D-alpha-tocopherol, which is slightly more expensive. So when they did the initial trials, they used the, the, uh, the very cheap... Uh, very ineffective and I think dangerous synthetic vitamin E. So, now as a liver transplant physician, at what stage does uh, fatty liver disease go to the, get to the point where someone develops cirrhosis or maybe even need a new liver? Yeah, we it's now like fatty liver disease is now the most common indication for transplantation Gee. in our unit in Victoria. So, you know, ten years ago that was hepatitis C, and hepatitis C is you know, almost disappeared off the transplant spectrum because of antiviral medication, right? which is great news. And now fatty liver disease is, is the bread and butter in transplant units, either people with advanced liver failure or people with liver cancer related to fatty liver disease. And that is, you know, that is this disease takes decades to develop to that stage. So, again, the good news, which is the most important thing for all your listeners, is to recognise that it picked up early the condition is totally reversible. Well, Paul, we have a caller. So are you happy to take a call? It's a text. Sorry, Doc. It's a text. Yeah, my my apology. Uh, It's Pat. And Pat says for you both, uh, good evening, can you get fatty liver from alcohol? You can get fatty liver from alcohol. It's a different different condition, obviously. Like fatty liver disease uh, relates to lifestyle causes of excess fat within your liver. But there are other conditions that can cause excess fat within your liver, and the most common of those other conditions is alcohol. Right. Um, and, of course, you know, everyone would recognise, I guess, that alcohol excess contributes to liver damage. 
Yeah, and it's, it's interesting that um, in the, the years that I've been doing radio, there, there hasn't been, in my view, enough attention given to the liver. I try to talk about it quite a bit, but it really hasn't been. And I think fatty liver is such an important condition that we really haven't given it the, uh, the attention it deserves, Paul. What's your opinion? News to my ears. Um, you know, in the in the community I work in, it's you know we I work in a sort of liver sphere, and that is our bread and butter. Uh, but of course, if there's a disease that affects one in four Australians, it's you know that there there needs to be significant public health awareness about it and its implications. The other thing I might say, Ross, is which is equally important for patients when I see them, I tell them that they've got a risk of progressing onto cirrhosis and liver cancer. But also it's a marker that they're at very increased risk of the common things that kill people. So it's an independent risk factor for developing cardiovascular disease, stroke, diabetes, cancers, kidney failure, etc. So that's the, the main motivation for people to address it is as they get older, they don't want to develop those you know, life-compromising conditions. Yeah, well, look, it's fantastic information, Paul, and we really thank you for coming on this evening. Lovely. Thanks, Ross. Associate Professor Paul Gow there from the Austin Hospital. 131873 is the open line number. And up next, we'll be joined by Nick Talley from the Medical Journal of Australia on Healthy Living.